The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, the American Council of the Blind strives to bring at least one international speaker to each of its annual conferences. As ACB members and friends are preparing to attend the 49th annual conference and convention this month in Phoenix, Arizona, ACB Reports for July 2010 returns to last year's gathering in Orlando, Florida, where international guest Shakila Maharaj from South Africa was introduced by ACB First Vice President Tim Charlson. Shakila Maharaj is an organizational psychologist from Durban, South Africa. She has an undergraduate degree and a master's degree in organizational psychology from Columbia University. She also has a tremendous amount of experience in the private sector with tourism, with travel, with fashion, but one of her best and strongest commitments is her advocacy for people with disabilities and gender equity in South Africa. I present to you Shakila Maharaj. I bring you greetings from South Africa. It is indeed an honor and privilege to be part of this, what shall I call it, a growth experience for me. South Africa is located at the southern tip of the continent of Africa. On our west coast, we have the Atlantic Ocean, and on our east coastline, it's the Indian Ocean. I come from the city of Durban, which is on the east side. We consist of nine provinces, approximately 49 million people. You would best associate South Africa with its history of apartheid. So when I give you the breakdown of the population groups, it's still differentiated on the lines of race. We have approximately 79 to 80% African black people in South Africa. Among this sector, you're looking at nine official local languages. We have approximately 9% white people, 8.6% colored. That terminology is used to indicate people of mixed races and we have about 2.4% of Asian people. I would originate from that grouping. I'm Indian, of Indian origin, third generation South African. Okay, with respect to the disability sector, we don't have uh, very reliable statistics in that depending on which documentation you refer to, you would see different stats. But we tend to go with the international average, which is 10% of our population. The last census came up with 32% individuals with visual disabilities, 30% physical disabilities, 20% hearing, and the remaining 16 other disabilities. Let me give you a sense of the blindness sector. Our largest organization, our umbrella body, is the South African National Council for the Blind. There are about 95 member organizations, 15 national and the remaining provincial organizations. 
As I said, South Africa is divided into provinces as you are divided into states, right? Included among those organizations are 24 schools for the blind and visually impaired, partially sighted. All these organizations together with the umbrella body, South African National Council for the Blind, render a range of services that include rehabilitation, training and development from early childhood to adult. It includes also the provision of assistive devices, advocacy and lobbying, and the promotion of employment, as well as lots of self-help groups, promotion of economic and social development. The website can be accessed simply as www.southafricannationalcouncilfortheblind.coza. Let's look at the legal context. Apartheid was in place for approximately 50 years. It's a system by which racial discrimination was legally enforced. It was imposed in the late 1940s and was eventually dismantled in total in 1994 when we held our first democratic elections. The way in which apartheid operated was that it was a system of dividing people on the basis of their color and then denying access to basic human rights. The white minority group were the privileged group who enjoyed the maximum resources and the wealth of the country. The black grouping, which is the term we use, which constituted, as I said, approximately 70 to 80% of the population, were denied basic human rights and access to resources. People with disabilities, the difficulties that we lived with would have been further compounded by the apartheid laws. Because similarly, white people with disabilities would have had greater access to resources and rights as compared to black people. So the quality of life and the opportunities you were able to access and utilize depended largely on your color. And in South Africa, the groupings, as I said, is based on very simply white, black, Asian, and colored. We didn't go beyond that definition and look what made up the diversity within white, what made up the diversity within black, within Asian and colored. It was a very simple differentiation. In 1994, this apartheid system was dismantled. It basically comprised of numerous laws that were put in place to manage a system of separate development, separate and unequal. And it permeated every aspect of your life. So where you lived, to the school you went to, to the line you stood in at a supermarket, everything, to who you married. There were multiple laws, and eventually all of them were eradicated. Now we're at a situation where the transformation is taking place at such a rapid pace that it's almost difficult to remember prior to 1994 what life was like. From 1994 onwards, our new constitution, and I'm going to briefly highlight some of the key aspects of that constitution, because in the preamble and in the Bill of Rights, there are two founding values that are 
highly relevant to us as the disability sector. And the first is the right to dignity. All human beings have the right to dignity and there is specific reference to people with disabilities. The second specific reference to people with disabilities appears in the Bill of Rights and that is the prohibition of discrimination against people and specifically to people with disabilities. The prohibition of unfair discrimination. In South Africa, we differentiate between fair and unfair. Flowing from this constitution, and, and before I go on to tell you the types of laws that exist, I'd like to quickly tell you about some unique aspects. 5% of the South African parliament constitutes people with disabilities. And this year in our national election, for the first time, while we had 5% of parliament made up of parliamentary members, for the first time this year, we have what would be equivalent to a senator, a person with a visual disability. All right. Henrietta, her name is Henrietta Bokopani. She's partially sighted, and she holds the office of deputy minister in the Ministry of Public Works that's responsible for building infrastructure and many other aspects. So for us, that's a huge accomplishment. Let us look at some of the key laws that have shaped our lives. I think over the past, uh, you're looking at 15 years almost, from 1994 to now, almost every aspect of our lives has been touched by the transformation. Um, some of the key acts, the Employment Equity Act, which focuses on the employment world. We've got the Skills Development Act, which looks at the training and development. The National Integrated Disability Strategy. Now that is in white paper format. It's one step away from becoming a bill. And the reason it's been held in that status is because we currently still at a debate level whether we require a dedicated act as you do, the Americans with Disabilities Act, that focuses purely on disability. Currently as we stand, we have the National Integrated Disability Strategy, which looks comprehensively at all aspects of life for people with disabilities across all the different ministries within South African organs of state. And thereafter we have individual acts that include segments related to disability. There is a debate that looks at this situation as not being totally suitable and would prefer that we have a dedicated act with a lot more authority behind it with regard to implementation, whereas scattered pieces of legislation across numerous acts is a lot harder to enforce. So if I look at the National Integrated Strategy, a special office was set up in government at the highest level in the state presidency, which is referred to as the Office on the Status of Persons with Disabilities. That was established to monitor and administer the implementation of the National Integrated Disability Strategy. If I quickly fast forward and come to a provincial level, and which takes us further down to grassroots level. 
This National Integrated Disability Strategy has been translated into a national framework, a disability policy framework, which guides provincial government and further guides municipalities on the service delivery around services for people with disabilities. So looking back then at the last 15 years, and many of these acts emerged and were finalized and gazetted between 1997 and 2000. In fact, in the year 2000, a very significant piece of legislation came out which is referred to as the promotion of equality and the prevention of unfair discrimination act. In there, specific reference to people with disabilities appear with regard to equal access to the environment. And again, it reiterates the right to opportunities and the prohibition of unfair discrimination. So all these acts are in place. We looked at the best. We looked at what was available in the United States. We looked at what was available in Europe, in Australia, the United Nations. And from there, formulated these groundbreaking pieces of legislation in South Africa. So it's not in the development of the acts that the challenge lies. The challenge lies is in the implementation. Implementation and enforcement. And that is where I will talk to you about the practical situation on the ground as I experience it as a consultant and practitioner. I'm an organizational psychologist. I have worked, well, for approximately eight years for one of our large national corporations. It would be equivalent to your Amtrak, the South African Railways, which we refer to as Spornet. I was overseeing the human resource and particularly the training and development department of our region. That's our province, KwaZulu-Natal, which I come from. In 2004, I started my consulting company. The consulting services focus uh, on disability and beyond that then on broader mainstream human resource issues and other areas. If we look at the Employment Equity Act and the practical implications in terms of the difference it's made for people with disabilities in South Africa, the Employment Equity Act has created a momentum within South Africa to promote employment for people with disabilities. And how it's done this is that it's designated people with disabilities as an affirmative action group, as a group that should receive preferential treatment with respect to recruitment and placement. There are three broad groupings in South Africa that have been designated as affirmative action groups, and that is your black people, females, and people with disabilities. Organizations are also designated as affirmative action employers or employment equity employers. There are certain criteria by which an employer is determined as an equal opportunity employer. And if you fall under that category, you are then obliged to submit equity plans on an annual basis to the Department of Labor. In those plans, employers are required to set a target when it comes to employing people with disabilities. The trend has been for employers to focus on race and gender and to give little emphasis to disability. 
In the past year, the Minister of Labor, our most senior person within a ministry, has shifted the emphasis to disability and has instituted penalties up to 900,000 rands, which you would divide by seven to work it out in dollars, for employers that do not meet their targets when it comes to employing people with disabilities. So the targets are not the same as a quota. The government does not set the targets. Employers set discretionary targets based on what they believe is achievable. So the types of targets that I see as a consultant when I work with employers vary from anything from 1% to 4%. Right now, government has set a target of 2% of their workforce must represent people with disabilities. In fact, it's your corporates that have exceeded that, and they are anything from 1% to 4%. This is excellent because it gives us tremendous visibility as people with disabilities. It's shifted the focus from the days when we struggled to secure employment to now being sought after in terms of meeting the targets. But this target setting doesn't just stop at that because in equity plans, employees are not only expected to meet a numerical goal, but also qualitative goals, from quantitative to qualitative. Each employer is required to identify the barriers to achieving this numerical target and to put in place processes and systems to eradicate these barriers. And it is stipulated by the Employment Equity Act that this must be done in a consultative process. So equity EE employers, that is your equal opportunity employers, would have to ensure that they set up consultative committees that have people with disabilities represented on it, that is your employees, with whom they consult and seek advice in designing internal processes and systems by which to eradicate barriers. Those barriers could be policy-related, environmentally related, in terms of your infrastructure design, as well as work process, in terms of your actual execution of functions and design of the job. That is where individuals like myself as consultants in the area of organizational psychology and human resources have found a new industry in which to focus on. When I started my consultancy, I least expected that this would become my key consulting area. With this legislative requirement on employers, I find most employers approach me to assist them with addressing these needs that they have to comply with. Consequently, there is an industry that has emerged in South Africa dealing with employment equity needs that employers have to address. If I quickly move on to the skills development side, during the apartheid years with the unequal educational design for people, you would find that the majority that had opportunities to skills and careers were the white sector. The black sector and the disability sector were greatly disadvantaged. So the country, when it moved into a democratic era as it presently is, had to do something very quickly to accelerate the skills development of its nation. And so the Education Act, a Skills Development Act, were all reformulated to promote this accelerated development of the nation. Built into that 
Employers now have to contribute what's called a skills levy, similar to a tax. It represents a percentage of the annual payroll. By payroll, I mean your total salary that you would pay for your workforce. A percentage of that is given as a skills levy to the Department of Labor. It's managed by the Revenue Department. An employer can claim back the skills levy depending on the employees that are sent for training and development. So to promote training and development within industry, employers then have the incentive of claiming back that skills levy. How does that impact on us as individuals with disabilities? The government has stipulated that 4% of individuals that are targeted for training and development, which we call learnerships, must represent people with disabilities. So employers then are required to meet the target of 4% of all learners must be individuals with disabilities. This helps people with disabilities to move away from the stereotypic functions that once was based on matching disability with functionality. We still find that happens on a large scale. But with the Skills Development Act and the promotion of learnerships and the creation of employable skills, people with disabilities are getting opportunities to acquire skills in what we would have considered non-traditional employment. I also, together with many other consultants in South Africa, support industries in achieving these targets. And so you're beginning to see now people with disabilities moving into the banking sector, for example, engineering sector, and other areas which we once would not have seen people with disabilities. Although I'm painting a very positive picture, we still are faced with numerous challenges. The challenges are around still largely very fundamental things like attitude and social change. Because while we have these groundbreaking laws, we still have a lot to do in supporting employers and just generally South African society in understanding people with disabilities and working with us and accepting us as equal players in society. And so that aspect, we've still a long way to go. We've still also a long way to go in empowering people with disabilities themselves to take up their rightful place. There is a strong sense of apathy that still exists and we need to overcome that apathy and encourage people with disabilities themselves to take control of their destiny. And that's what I find so impressive already in my short stay here at this convention. The level of, uh, what shall I call it? People are self-driven, motivated. So also putting in place that kind of attitude among ourselves as people with disabilities. Personally, I find it's a very exciting time to live in South Africa. I find the gaps that we have to address allows us as individuals with disabilities to demonstrate our potential and come to the fore with the skills and abilities that we can utilize and contribute to the South African situation. I want to quickly thank the ACB and particularly Mitch for having given me personally this opportunity to share with you a little bit of what's going on in South Africa, but more importantly, I think it's all about collaboration and networking 
by giving you some insight, but by sharing, it enhances the collaboration and it enhances the exchange of information and skills. And what I am being exposed to here at this convention allows me to take back and add to the richness of what's going on in South Africa. And I'm hoping also that after this event, I can put in place a permanent and a sustainable relationship that will certainly add and contribute to what we're doing in South Africa. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We simply need to learn from the models you've put in place and customize them for our situation. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Shakila Maharaj of Durban, South Africa, was recorded in July 2009. ACB Reports has microphones throughout this year's annual conference and convention. Listen for presentations from this event, plus learn about other interesting people and important issues each month as the American Council of the Blind and this radio station bring you ACB Reports. I'm Mike Duke. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.